This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's that time of year again, the season to honor those who serve the country with distinction. The Partnership for Public Service has announced finalists in the Service to America Medals, or SAMI's program. This year, once again, there's a special category for COVID-19 response. For more, we have the president and CEO of the partnership, Max Steyer. And Max, it's too bad the COVID response and the COVID pandemic is kind of the negative gift that keeps giving, but for public service, it really is an ongoing chance for distinction, isn't it? It is, and it's an example of, uh, you know, real power that that the federal employees can provide in in helping people at a moment of great need. And as you say, uh, we we wish it weren't so, but we live in a world of a lot of lot of problems and um, really our public service is there to help. Of course, I've been covering SAMIs now probably 20 years or so, but just give us the quick story on what this program is all about for those that might be new to it and maybe aspire to get one one day. Awesome. Well, the quick story is that it's the Oscars of government service. And what we recognized very early on in our tenure, we're 21 years old, was that no organization gets better if all you do is kick it. And uh, you need to um, identify and recognize the extraordinary people inside government if you want uh, more of them. And so there are sort of two parts to Sammy's. One is trying to reinforce uh, the positive inside the federal government. And then secondly, share those stories with the American public, which doesn't know their own government and certainly not their own public service. We've done some research on trusting government. And what we found were that when you say federal government, people think about the politicians in Congress and they don't think very well of them. Um, But when you explain to them about the civil service and the people who like the Sammy's honorees who are helping them in, in the places that they live, their views change dramatically. So getting these stories out actually has huge impact for the public's understanding and for those recognized and those who want to be like them. And how far back does this program go, by the way? So this is our 21st year. It was, uh, you know, one of our first programs that we started. Uh, we also started a organization of universities to promote public service on their campuses and get talent into government. And those were sort of the two first things we did. And shortly thereafter, the best places to work rankings. So uh, it was a, a busy opening for us as an organization. And um, it's great to see those programs flourish and, and make a difference. The full name of the program, of course, is the Samuel J. Heyman Service to America Medals. And review for us Mr. Heyman's career and impact so, on this. Uh, he's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and why this organization exists. Uh, he was a um, brand new, newly minted lawyer in 1963 coming out of Harvard Law School. And he did what a lot of his classmates did, which was to go to the Department of Justice, which was run by Bobby Kennedy at the time, who he met a couple of times. And uh, he worked for five years at the Department of Justice before he left to take over his fa- His dad died to take over the family business. Uh, and it was his, you know, the most meaningful experience in his life was working for the U.S. government. And fast forwarding a number of years, he realized that top talent wasn't looking to the government in the same way as when he had graduated. And he got concerned about that. So uh, I met up with him 21 years ago, and he um, said, if I commit $25 million to you over the next five years, will you put together a business plan to start an organization? And I did not have a better offer. It was, a, it was a, something that excited me, and, and that was the, the genesis of the partnership. Yeah, and so now you've gone 21 years with it, not just the first five that he originally envisioned. And review the process by which the Sammies are conferred, because you've got a pretty august blue ribbon group here in charge of this. We do. And it's, uh, you know, just the beginning of the beginning, which is, you know, we need to, you know, have a recognition culture in government. And, you know, if you look at the federal employee viewpoint survey data, 
many, many federal employees don't believe that their good work is recognized. So it begins, frankly, with colleagues, bosses, customers, anyone but the individual involved can actually nominate somebody. We get between four to 500 nominees every year, and I hope everyone will be thinking about who they want to be nominating for next year, because that process will kick off pretty soon. And it's a very simple nomination process. Then we conduct a very rigorous review process that usually involves the former Sammy's honorees themselves, because they know best, you know, what is a, a real achievement, who are the people really doing the work. And we then whittle down that four to 500 nominees to um, 30 uh, in a set of categories. As you noted earlier, the categories can change depending on what the issues are of the day. And we then announce them now, Public Service Recognition Week. In the fall, um, we have a blue ribbon panel of, of foundation presidents, university presidents, you know, corporate CEOs, members of Congress. Uh, they are the ones who actually select um, the winners amongst the, the finalists. I will say they're all honorees, but the ultimate winners then get vetted at a black tie event at the Kennedy Center, and that will be taking place on September 20th. And uh, there's also a film that we do. So people should check that out. We recognize because of the pandemic, we can reach many, 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 many more people by actually creating a engaging film. It's under 60 minutes and it's a bunch of uh, really well-known comedians who tell the story of government. And it's quite exciting to, again, to see the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that now can see the work of their government. We have more, more work to do to get the word out, but doing the film helped a lot. And in watching these awards all of these years, is there any thread, do you think, that connects all of the winners because they come from just a vast variety of backgrounds and they have a vast variety of missions that they're actually doing? So you're right. Um, it's everything you can think of uh, making a difference in very, very big ways. Uh, there are some common thematics. One of them is the incredible modesty of these honorees. I mean, all of them look around the room when you announce the, the finalists and they look at their colleagues and say, they're going to win, not me, because they're so amazing. And, and no one looks at themselves in the mirror and say, I'm amazing too. It's really quite extraordinary how how modest these folks are given the achievements that they, they, they are responsible for. Um, I will say that there's not infrequently an oversampling of first-generation Americans. And I think that says a lot about the understanding of the value of government that many who come to this country more recently have. You know, another element that I think is really prominent is the way in which they fundamentally see themselves as stewards of the public good. Uh, and that's really what motivates them. We did a study uh, with a company that looked at innovation in the private sector and government. And one of the big differences they said between what they saw in government and the private sector was that in the private sector, if you run into barriers, you just leave the company you're in or you start your own organization. But all these people made it work where they were. And they, they, they managed the incredible barriers to success without giving up and throwing in a towel. So that persistence piece is also very prominent. They seem to have the right filter on. They have visionary sense of what it is they're doing for their work and for the impact of that work. But they really do a good job of filtering out the politics that they work in and around sometimes because they can't help it because it's the federal government. But they pretty much keep that at bay in pursuing that mission. That's something I've noticed. Yep. Mission first. And they're generous in understanding that you know, sometimes it's individuals, but usually it's teams, and they, they understand that this is a team sport uh, and that they can have way more impact by um, engaging a lot of people and treating them well. And so that's another element that you find across across many of the honorees. 
they're they're amazing people. They just are. It's it's uh, we're lucky to have them. Well, we're going to hear them in this place and this time every Thursday now until September when the gala takes place. Max Steyer is president and CEO of the Partnership for Public Service. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for your continued focus on this. This is a uh, important service you are doing by bringing attention to these folks. So thanks. All right. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship and racial equity and accelerating new majority entrepreneurs from high potential to high growth. Additionally, Melissa is co-founder of Venture Back Eureka, a community where small businesses gain unprecedented access to the expertise needed to grow their businesses and has more than 20 years of entrepreneurship, investment, and leadership experience. Melissa, welcome and thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Who is the first person that you remember looking up to as a leader and what was it about them that inspired you? So there are actually two people. Um, The first person personally was my mom. Uh, She was a single parent. And what I realized is that she was the leader of our household, but she was also the leader of our community. Um, She was a staunch advocate for children's rights in public schools, making sure that we got a quality education. She was a staunch advocate around rights for renters. Um, We were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home, uh, but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing, we were in regular housing. The people who were in regular housing, public housing, she made sure that their rights were advocated for um, and really just always kind of looked out for, I'll, I'll use air quotes, the little guy, while, although we were the little guy. Uh, and then I would say she was a huge advocate of older folks. Um, as part of her job, she worked during the week uh, in a full-time job and then cleaned houses on the weekend, but also took care of elderly folks and a staunch advocate for elderly rights. Um, so that was probably the, the first leader. And then I would say the second leader that really came about professionally was a woman named Crystal, Crystal Gaskins, uh, who actually ran a headhunting temporary firm that I ended up spending about a year at, but quickly realized that was not my calling. But in a world where you are constantly managing the powers that be that want to hire all these people and move people around and the folks who are sometimes in vulnerable positions and obviously seeking a job, she always managed to treat everyone with the, with the ultimate respect. And part of the business was actually um, managing hotels and getting service workers to show up. And that's a tough job, right, to try to motivate people who barely are getting paid enough under not great conditions. Um, and so she taught me three things. She taught me how to be a motivator and that recognizing leadership is not mandating, but motivating. She taught me that leadership is not just reporting up, but also reflecting and supporting those who may be underneath you from a hierarchical structure. And she also taught me that leadership was not about money, uh, but it was about producing positive outcomes for whoever your customers were. And if you did that, then obviously the money would come. How would you describe your leadership style and how has that developed over the years? 
I would describe it hashtag work in progress. Um, it, it has evolved over the years, I think, two ways. One, uh, the more people I've been exposed to in leadership positions have certainly helped me pivot and make adjustments. And then certainly as my leadership roles have elevated and probably as the more people I've been responsible for has elevated, uh, you know, certainly being managing partner and founder of 1863 Ventures, we manage a lot of people. We have actually tripled our staff this year. And so we went from three people to oh, actually 12 people plus and growing. Uh, and we went from a couple hundred members to almost 10,000 members. And that's a big deal. Um, I, so my leadership style has evolved in terms of more people that I have reporting to me. I think it's, I, I focus on autonomy. I focus, I'm, I'm very clear that my role is to help other people be successful. Uh, I do set very clear deadlines. I am try to do a good job of kind of projecting what is the overall mission and vision, what are the KPIs and OKRs that we need to hit. And then I feel like I need to get out the way. I need not be a micromanager. I need to recognize, particularly since COVID, that people have kids, they have lives, they have ways that they know how they perform best. And so we now have people who work for me all over the world. And as long as we made our deliverables, I don't need to know that you're sitting in a cubicle or sitting at your computer from nine to five. Um, and that's because I've been at those nine to five jobs where I literally had nothing to do, but I knew I was told I had to be in the office. Uh, and it just seemed like a complete waste of time. And so I'm really laser focused on outcomes and productivity and advancing the vision and mission and not on what does it look like? Because I think a successful work looks different for everyone. And then I would say more externally, as we now have grown to lots of members and we have a social media presence and I talk to people, I'm mindful that the, the probably the most important from an external uh, perspective on my leadership is that I am mindful that I am modeling not just for myself, but particularly for other leaders and particularly Black women and certainly gay black women. Uh, you know, there are not a lot of us. Um, you know, you mentioned that I'm a co-founder of Eureka. So I'm fortunate enough to be in the first 30 or so black women that have been supported through venture capital, which is a sad statistic, but for a different topic. And so I'm mindful that people are always watching me. And I would say that certainly as a black woman, people are always watching you, not always for the better and cheering you on, but waiting for you to make a mistake and slip up. And so I'm mindful that when I step into a room or I show up somewhere, I'm not just representing Melissa Bradley and my immediate family. I'm representing all of my members and potentially sending a single effect of what other people are going to expect as Black women. And the final thing I would say that definitely has evolved since now that I'm over 50 uh, is that I feel a much greater freedom to say what's on my mind um, than I did before. And I, and I do that. I probably said what was on my mind before, but in a way that was reflective of my frustration and anger with the system. And now I say it with the, expect, with the level of calmness and the expectation that it's important that we are honest around what do Black communities experience, and to phrase it in a way not based on anger, but really using data. And so I would say I've consistently been a staunch advocate for Black and Brown communities, but has evolved from being very reactive and saying, well, don't do this and don't do that, to saying, 
Let me explain to you why I think it's important that we take this up and really letting the facts drive the discussion. Some of that probably comes from the fact that I've worked in two presidential administrations, and we all know that that just goes back and forth and oftentimes based on rhetoric and not fact. And having six kids in a world of social media, I think there's something, the the art of of conversation based on facts and data has devolved to uh, opinions and pundits. And and I think that's a challenge around leadership because your job is not... my mind to convince people, but to inform people and allow them to make decisions for themselves. I, I saw you on a post uh, with a Washington Post um, uh, interview, and it, it, you were amazing. And it, it's interesting to listen to you describe what you just said, because I could see all of that reflected in how you responded there. And um, make one other quick uh, comment about as a company grows, WEPA is growing as well. And you are so spot on. We have, as, as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll. And that's not always easy. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second. Confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.